Hi guys, so for this interview, I'm being joined by Pedro Munoz in a second. So Pedro Munoz, number seven ranked UFC better mate at the moment, uh, is looking for a fight. So we're going to talk about this, about matchmaking, his background. So let's do this. Uh, can you tell me how did you start uh, being, being interested in martial arts and especially jiu-jitsu? Yes. Um... Jiu-Jitsu, I started when I was 13 years old. I had a background of martial arts before that. You know, at four years old, I started doing karate. I, uh, I used to watch a lot of, I used to watch a lot of Van Damme, Jean-Claude Van Damme movies, kickboxer, things like that. And karate kid, so I want to I wanna be a kickboxer, you know, so I started karate. Um, starting karate at four years old, and then I did for about a year or so, and then I stopped, you know. And then in that in that in that time, I make I went to the first grade. One of the schools that I went, they had a as a, a physical educational. We had we had soccer or judo for boys, for girls they had. They had volleyball and something else. So I choose judo, even though my dad was, my dad always has been a soccer fan, but um, I always like fights, you know, because John Cloven them and all that. So I did judo. So I did the judo the whole year. Um, I was seven years old. So we're talking about a ninth. 1993, 1992, 1992, 1993. For the, for the whole year, I did a judo. And then uh, there was a first grade, first grade. I don't remember right now if it was the first grade, second, or third. But I remember that school. Yeah, something like that. I was like, I was probably like nine, 10, like around eight, nine, 10 years old. I did it for a whole year judo. Um, and then I, I left the school. I was living with my grandma for about one year. And then I was, you know, just going to school, you know, play, being a kid, playing in the streets, things like that. That's one of the things that kids, they don't do today. You know, they stay in like electronic and stuff. I was very, very fortunate to, to, to be able to play in the streets, you know, with friends and all that. All right. Uh, at 13 years old, I was a little older. I, I, was able, I was able to watch the first UFC, first, second, and the third, when Hoist Gracie and then was, you know, beating all those guys. So I didn't know. I started, I started watching that. And then they were talking about this Brazilian family represent the Gracie Jiu-Jitsu and then they, in Brazil, born and grew up that I never heard about Jiu-Jitsu. So a year later, year later, I found this gym next to my neighborhood that they had a Jiu-Jitsu school. So I went there with my dad. My daddy registered me. And then I started Jiu-Jitsu. I compete a couple months later. And, you know, I started competing a lot. I fell in love immediately with jiu-jitsu. And then I'm around my 16, 17 years old, I, I went by, I, 
while I was competing and doing jiu-jitsu, I was training boxing, one of the Brazil's biggest, like, Brazilian champion. Uh, his name is Peter Venancio. And I, I boxed with him for around, like, for about a year. And then competing jiu-jitsu at the same time. And then I started, I started me great a little bit, little by little to no gi instead in gi. I started competing more no gi. Um, I met this guy, I met this guy from Cuba. He, he was, uh, he used to know a lot of wrestling and I was learning wrestling from him, competing jiu-jitsu. I got promoted as a brown belt and then I got promoted as a black belt which I never competed in again a black belt because I was already migrating to MMA. And then I did my first MMA fight back in 2009. And then 2009, the end of the year, I fought my second time. 2010, I fought a jungle fight in March. And then I came to the United States the same year, I think in June. And I fought, I fought in the United States local shows in California and then I signed with the RFA I signed with their RFA I won against two tough opponents and then my third fight was against Jack Kern a UFC veteran uh, I fought for the title with him six months later I defend my title and then I got signed to UFC the next week yeah, like two weeks to later fight. to fight Asunsao. To, to fight in a short notice, yes. Just come back. I would just like to come back to the jungle fight because I watched it. Uh, it was your third fight. And I asked you if you did some striking before jiu-jitsu because when I watched it, I realized you already had that good right leg kick. And I was like, how come it's already, it's not perfect yet, but I was like, how come it's already here? Because it was like a good snap behind it. So, so all the karate that you did before helped you already when you transition to MMA, and maybe doing no-gi jiu-jitsu help you a lot? It did. It did help me a lot. <laughs> help me a lot because I was, com you know, I was competing a lot. I was doing a lot of wrestling. It was helping me with the takedowns and the takedown defense and MMA as well. And when you saw me, when you saw that fight, it was in 2010, I was already training Muay Thai with biggest like Brazilian champions we had it back in those days his name is GB Moisés Souza it's uh he won the Lupini he was he was um I had a I had a French uh Muay Thai coach Daniel Bohan okay. do you know him I know him by name I never met him but yeah yeah he's in Paris now but um French has a lot of good kickboxer and Muay Thai fighter you know who is a good friend of mine too that I, I trained with him. We became a good friend, uh, Fabio Pinka. Oh, he's great! Yeah, he's great. Very good. Very yeah, he's one of the best sport. from where we are for sure. Yeah. You in Paris? Yeah, I'm in Paris. Yeah. In Paris. So yeah, um, and then I was training. I was training for a little over than one year. One of the biggest, like one of the biggest team, Muay Thai team in Brazil, in Sao Paulo, my city. So uh, that's why you were able to saw me displaying like good leg kicks and that. Yeah, because you know, often when I watch, like when people mention you, we start to talk first about 
jiu-jitsu. And often when I go back to watch the early fights, it's often guys that just want to get it to the ground to finish it because they don't have that all-in-one game. I like to fight stand-up. I like it. I, I know. enjoy it. You know, I have two passions, jiu-jitsu and kickboxing. Since I was a kid, you know, I have, a, I don't know if you saw, I have my Instagram picture that I was three, four years old, three years old, I'm sorry. And uh, uh, my dream was wanted to be a kickboxer. So I was hitting the bags and things like that. So I enjoy, I enjoy the, the stand-up fight. You know, I, I have, like I said, I, have, I tell everybody, oh, what's your hobby? What do you like to do? Man, I love study jiu-jitsu and kickboxing. That's the stuff that I love to do. You know, that's my two passions. And then I was able to, put, I, I was able to combine both. And that's my style. You know, I have like a good jiu-jitsu. In a lot of jiu-jitsu, I won Brazilian national no gi two times back to back. I think 2007, 2008, if I'm not wrong. And but at, like training Muay Thai, even back then, you know, as a purple, purple belt in jiu-jitsu, starting boxing, and then Muay Thai starting when I was already a black belt. Yeah, what's great when you start to do everything at the same time is that. You can develop muscles that are good for jiu-jitsu, but also for striking. And often, people who did like 15 years wrestling, they need to relax all those muscles. You need to be loose on the feet. And you, you didn't have to go that through that process. You were already kind of like built as MMA fighter. So that's my question. Was always the plan to become an MMA fighter? Or did it become just like when you said, seeing like the Gracie, but like when you were like 12, 13 years old? Yes. Um, when I watched the first UFC fights, I really wanted to, to fight in that type of organization, you know, but it was kind of like far for me a little bit because I know I was, I had to go through a process and my process, my first one goal was to become a Jiu-Jitsu world champion. It didn't happen, but I won the national twice. Uh, and then I was to migrate to MMA as a Jiu-Jitsu world champion. So it didn't happen. I didn't, I didn't win the world champion, but I won the nationals. Yeah, and so when you arrived in the in the states in 2010, my 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 Muay Thai coach, he knew my manager, Ed Soares and George Joyan, and uh, he he told them about me, and he said, yeah, 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 you know, and then also my I had a friend back then, that he used to live in Redondo Beach, which was next to Gardena, the 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 Black House. And um, I went there. I stayed at his house for three months. Before, and then after, I went to, to live in the gym. But it was very nice. It, very, it, was, very, it was very close to the Black House. And that's why that, that was, you know, first thing. I was living in the neighborhood. I had a friend of mine that used to live there. Knew my manager, introduced them to myself. I met them. And that's, um, that's, that's how I got the opportunity to turn a Black House. Yeah, and Black Ass and Cardeo, they were like kind of perfect for you just because of that pressure, cutting the cage, ends up, leg kicks. And at the same time, if someone shoots on you, they have a big problem on the end. So I think it's a gym that helped you a lot to, to create your style. That's true. That's without a doubt. Uh, a guy that I used to train a lot at Black House and I, and I started training him. The next day that I got in the United States was Kenny Johnson, the wrestling coach. So I learned a lot from him. And and that's where I met Rafael Cordero, my mm -hmm. you know, my Muay Thai coach when I used to live in LA. He 
he, uh, he used to teach at Black House, and that's how I met him as well. So Black House was a, um, it was a special moment in my life. I met a lot of great people there, and a lot of good things happened for me um, while I was training over there. And so when you were in, uh, we talked about this, so you, you beat Jeff Curran, and Jeff Curran was like a legit veteran in uh, MMA. And then you defended yes. the belt, like in January, and like three weeks later, you fight Rafael Asuncao, who at the time just beat TJ Dillashaw just before. So he was like yeah. top five, top six, bantamweight. Yeah, he was top five. I think he was number three when I fought him. Crazy. And you took the fight like how many days? Notice? Uh, seven. Yeah, it was it was decision. Feel that I was not mature enough for that type of fighter. You know, Rafael was better skills. And my first UFC fight against a guy like him to just be TJ had a lot of fights. For me, was, I think it was like a little bit too much. But it was good because after the fight, I realized that even though I didn't have a time to prepare myself, even though that I was fighting a guy that was number three, in a week notice, and then we stayed there toe-to-toe. I, in that moment, I realized that I had the skills to be, you know, one of the best fights on UFC, on so, my division. When I saw that fight live uh, back then, I, rem- I remember four things for that fight. First, what? That you had a crazy chin already because nobody goes toe-to-toe with Asun Sao like this at the time. And it's true. there was some stuff that you do technically they already told me you just more than someone who just moved forward. Like I remember, it might have been the first one, you kind of like went a jab and a left hook and he slipped the jab, duck under the left hook. And normally when this happens, people, you know, they get out of balance and they are like in vulnerable position. But you, you pivot on your lead foot and stay right in front of him. And I was like, sorry to know which coach, like maybe Cordero helped you with being a pressure fighter with like a good technical pressure fighter, if you can talk about this a little bit. Good question. Uh, I was already training with Rafael Cordero for three years. And yeah, Rafael Cordero was the guy that when I got in California, he was the guy that I learned a lot from. And we used to do very hard trainings in the gym. It really got me prepare and was able to like make those things better and I was always like to fight forward he was the guy that always was insane uh, he was always insane um, he was just motivating me to keep doing more my game going forward to fight counter punch things like that so he definitely was a guy that um I trained under him for 2010 until 2017 when I moved life for seven years. So when I fought UFC, I was already three years training under him. So it was, you know, he was one of the guys that was to always motivate me to, to do what I like to do, which is, you know, stay head toe to toe and kick and punch. Yeah, never stop moving forward, for sure. And actually, your kicks were already very good because Asun Sao's lead leg was hurt. Like, after one, two, he started switching stands because he was could not take it anymore. And that's, that's where, that's the third thing I realized that 
you understood what the open stance will allow you because Natalie was sarspoil open the body kick. And uh, actually there was like a, a cool sequence where you, you, you get him with a body kick, then you fainted the body kick and get him with a right hand. That's good, that's good. <laughs> that's really good. And even in that fight, you almost submitted uh, Rafael Asuncao. But that movement right there in the fight that you're talking about, that's a jiu-jitsu. I went to a heel hook. <laughs> and Rafael Asuncao had a really, he has really good like jiu-jitsu skills. So he was able to defend the heel hook. But um, yeah, I remember that. It was really good. So you, after that fight, you fought Matt Oba like a, a few months after, and you head kick him. Yeah, it was in Sao Paulo, my hometown. I, uh, um, it was a nice victory. It was a nice victory, and you know, it's in front of if the crown in Brazil. It was really nice. Matt Bar was uh, a legacy champion back then, so it was a good fight. So it was very, that was, that was, that was very nice. I have a good memories from the fight. Yeah, and actually, after this fight, you quickly start to fight other big, big, great fighters. Like, so you had the Jawad uh, Saunders fight, which was very, very short fight. Yeah. He actually did something that was pretty cool is that he shot under your leg kick into a single leg. And then leg. I took him out. Yeah, and then it was game over with the guillotine, even with the slam. Yep. And I very have a question. Guy. So it's very rare that your guillotine doesn't end the fight, but sometimes it happens. Like I think Brett Jones did pretty well against your guillotine. He did and defend very well. So did and uh, Sterling. Yeah. Aljamain. Yeah, they both did pretty well. And I was wondering just if you can give a few tips. So when you get guillotine, what is the first thing you make sure is good? Do you have the grip, of course, maybe the hips? Grips, the grips, and it's um, the practice it leads to a perfection. So I, I have doing guillotine since I was four, five, sixteen years old. I learned guillotine, you know, and then I started, you know, applying training, and it has been working. A lot of people was tapping, and I was like, wow. That's a really good weapon. And then I started like getting better, getting better. And the guillotine, that's something that I have been doing for the last 10, 20 years almost. And then people ask me, what is the secret of the guillotine? It is definitely not a secret. It's just like I said, the more that you practice something, you're gonna develop, you're gonna develop that well. And that's what I did with the guillotine. You know, I just just have been doing for a long time over and over and over and over and over. And I still learn it sometimes, some days, you know, like a different details. But um, uh, it's not like a grip, a hips, a thing like that. I think it's just the combination and the setup for every single response encounters. You know what I mean? But what's crazy about the guillotine for you is that as the way you fight is that you break people, right? You pressure them so much that at some point they either have their legs taken off or they yeah. have to shoot and That's as they true. shoot like a leg who's a bit injured or they shoot and they are tired they make mistake and right away so it's kind of like your perfect final weapon for you because it, That's it, true. it makes your MMA game perfectly that's what I meant yeah that's true that's true uh, you know that's you put the pressure starting punching you know like 
and then you know the other person is gonna go for the takedowns most like and that happens a lot in training too you know that's one of the reasons that i'm able to get in fights because i just do a lot in training so it's yeah like i said it's just practicing over and over Yeah, about your training, uh, I remember, you know, we are more like, you know, Arab people, they say they don't spar too much. You, you're kind of like old school. You say, no, me, I spar a lot. I like to spar. And you go, ah. so can you talk about a little bit like or what your fight camp look like for like a normal fight? Yeah, I like to sparring twice a week in a, in a, in a, in a, in a fight camp. You know, uh, I like to do a lot of pads, Muay Thai pads, boxing pads. I like to do like specific training. Uh, which is everything, wrestling, grappling, all in training. I like to spar with MMA gloves, not the ones that we fight, but a little bit more pads. Like, like six arms? Six? Something like that. Something like that big. The ones that it's very cushy, you know, they have a lot of protection. So I like to spar with those a lot. With a good training partner, that one that I can push you, but don't hurt you, but can definitely push you. So um, I like to spar. I think it's really important to spar. My point of view, that's how I see, you know, myself in a fight overall. Um, I train twice a day. I do my hard training in the morning and then I do some technique at night or strength or strength and conditioning. And, um, and that's how my, 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 my training camp uh, looks like. You know, I do a, like a hard training solid in the morning and then something technical or lift at night about four or five hours a day. But you train with Robson Concesal. So did you went to Brazil to, to train with him? No, he came here. He was, um, he, he came to Miami to, to train American top team, to use the training as part of his training camp and the facility. He brought his coaches with him. One of, the, one, one of his coaches, it was my boxing coach at the time. So uh, we, we, we were able to train for how long, a good uh, How long did you weeks? train with him? Like about four or five weeks. That must be, you must have learned a lot with him. A lot, a lot, a lot. Really good. There was, it was a, it was definitely a, a blessed opportunity to be able to to train with uh, the Olympic gold medalists, you know. Yeah. Do you feel like training with him kind of helps you in other fights where sometimes you don't have the speed advantage? That's true. That's true. Um, I remember training with him and then remember like, oh, wow, this guy, he's fast. And besides that, he was had like a, a huge, rich advantage. So it definitely got me some confidence to 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 stand you know and 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 strike with like anyone i was like bro i was just done with three four five rounds with the with the with the golden olympic medals and like that's no one no one that can stop me yeah that's what i think that's probably one of the most uh, the best thing to train that american top team is all the different looks you can have in a day Like you could be sparring with like Lineker, then Oiguchi. Yeah, we do have a lot of people like right there training, especially like um, good athletes, good fighters. 
that's definitely like really good. We're always gonna be able to like get like a good trains from that place. Yeah. I wanted to talk a little bit about your kicks because you, you kick very, very well. And actually when I mentioned that I was going to interview you, there's Josh Barnett who asked me a question. And uh, Josh Barnett asked if if you work with Victor Henry. Victor Henry? Yeah. Yes. And because he said he has kind of like the same kick, similar type of kick. And he wonder if you work with him at some point. Yes. Yes. Um, while I was living in Los Angeles in training at Black House, I met a guy, Chad George, today's you know, a good friend of mine. He had a gym. He still have a gym in California, uh, in South Bay called California Mixed Martial Arts. Josh Barnett trains in the gym as well. And one of his students, Victor Henry, good fighter, really good guy, has a lot of talent. Uh, yeah, uh, I remember training with him a lot. He was definitely, you know, good training partner, very like good skills, good cardio, and besides that, you know, good person. And uh, I just ask you, what was your favorite finish in the UFC? And you and I we disagree about this. Because you said Rob Font, the one-arm guillotine choke, and I said Russell Duan. Can you just talk about those two finishes? Robbie Font, yes, Russell Duan from 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 Hawaii. Uh, yeah, uh, Russell Duan. We exchange a little bit, and then I'm, you know, we we were kind of like you know scrapping, and then I was on his back and gets in the cage, and then I. Had that thought, oh, I'm gonna do that guillotine, and I did, it worked very well, so it was good. And then against Robbie Font, you know, um, long, good boxing, you know, smart fighter, very danger. And then I threw a left hook first, he felt that he back up in the cage. I pressed him, and then he shot for a takedown. And then, um, I remember, you know, just getting a hold of his chin. You know, he tried to roll his back to defend. You know, I went over and then I was able to get him the guillotine. That was like my two favorite guillotines. My two favorite finishes was definitely uh, both of them against Russell and against uh, Robbie Font. That Russell Duan fight was violent. From the start, he was like, oh, like I feel him and Cody. They kind of like the only two guys that say, "Okay, fuck it, I will, I will go with Pedro." Like real fight, like one on one. Like most people, they they run away from you, but Cody yes. and Russell, they they tried to to I want sharpen I want you know like they tried to. Yeah. Win. I know that's your yeah. type of fight you love. So yeah, for example, when you fought uh, uh, Cody Garbrandt, that's what you mentioned that you knew that if you go just head to head, it will be the one going down. And um, that's what happened. And even though he was faster, but you said the, even his power, it wasn't much. You, you see, you, you, you fought the people that punch harder than this. Yeah, actually, a guy is very fast. Is uh, you mentioned him before? It's uh, Kyoji Yoguchi. He's very fast. He is. Yeah, he is. Very he fast. Is. Do you train with him often? Uh-huh, I do. I do. He's recovering right now from a knee injury. 
But uh, yeah, we used to train a lot often. He's in the gym back training. He's almost 100%. And, but yeah, he's super fast. <clears throat> and Hobson too is super fast. So I was, you know, when I fought with Corey Gabriel, I, you know, I noticed that he was, he was way faster than stronger. So he was faster. I thought he would be stronger, but I felt him fast. Boom, super fast. And so when I watched that fight, because I, I rewatched it like last week and I realized I had a different memory of the fight. Would you say that your first main weapon is your leg kick? Because once again, that fight, after like two, three low kick, he started to try to put his leg away. And when he was square, you tried for the head kick. So would you say that your leg kick is the, the base of your work? I like leg kicks a lot. I like it like I like leg kicks and I always notice from the beginning that I have like strong kicks. So I have just been I have just been like perfecting the kick, the technique and things like that. And so that's that's one of the stuff that I like it. I, I like to I like to kick. I like to kick it and I think I kick super hard. And uh and I use that as a part of my, my strategy just to, to 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 distract to hurt to you know my opponents. And uh, so I was realizing you never fought a five one fight in the UFC. And when I watched your last fight against uh, Sterling, do you feel a five one fight is more suitable for your style? Yeah, without a doubt. I thought that fight against Aljamain Sterling, if the fight would be five rounds, if we have two more rounds, I think somehow I would be able to catch him a good punch and hurting more his legs and you know he would and let's say stopped him to to move away that much. I think two more rounds we could definitely like make 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 more damage, you know, and stop him. Yeah, because when I watch this, there's so many fights in the UFC where three ones feel like, ah, I want to see two more, you know, like because it's too yes. close. Like, and I would like close, right? at least one extra round. If there were just that extra round, it would be awesome. It would be, okay, you guys are even. The guy who won the last one, he wins. But uh, I want to talk matchmaking a little bit with you. I know you're going to be mad because you struggle to find opponents. Yes. It's been a long time now that you fought, like almost a year now. I was supposed to, to be fighting, you know, in May. In Sao Paulo? Uh, no, but what happened in, in San Diego, the Christ, you know, uh, in December, I got an offer to fight Cold City Hagen. Um, the fight didn't happen. San Hagen did one. You know, he was supposed to fight Frankie Ediger. And then I had the chance to fight a guy, Cody Stemmer, number 10. He didn't want to fight. And then they offered me another fight. The guy didn't want to fight. And then I called I call out Peter Yan. He didn't want to fight as well. And then they started negotiating me to fight a, post, a possible fight between Raya or Frankie Edgar. So we started negotiation. And then the cries came. And I thought that I was being fighting somehow Frankie in June. Um, you know, looks like he's avoiding to fight me. He's calling my other guys and things like that. So I'm just hoping that 
next couple of weeks we can now this weekend is the first UFC and then after that I think the negotiation is going to starting starting happening again quick so and that's the reason that I have been you know almost one year that I haven't fight we we were not expecting this crisis the pandemic you know and the pandemic happened it was all the negotiation have stopped but yeah so it does that was that was a something that nobody was expecting. Yeah, of course, the pandemic it changed kind of everything. But I felt that even before that, there's a lot of people that either don't want to fight you because they want to fight up in the rankings, and other they just don't want to fight yeah. you. And so, from what I heard this week, is that Sandagan is gonna fight Sterling. Who? Sandagan, Corey Sandagan is gonna fight Aljo. Yeah, that's they're going to fight each that's, other. That's, that's what I heard too. And so I knew Frankie wanted to fight Sterling. But now yeah. that Sterling and something going to book, do you think Frankie Edgar can fight you? I, th I think so. I think so. That's the negotiations that we're going to try to make happen right now. Uh, five rounds with Frankie will be great. Five uh, with five Frankie and somewhere end of June or July. Yeah, let's do that again. Thank you, Pedro. Have a good day. Thank you. Enjoy All the right. fight. Bye-bye, man. Bye-bye. Take care.